Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast. My name is Willie Simpson. I'm Sonya Rappaport. And today, Sonya, we are on the 11th episode of Season 5, the 75th episode overall, the second to last episode of this entire series, mm-hmm. Hidden Agendas. Here we are. Here we are, another late season extravaganza of poor animation <laughs> and bizarre vocal acting performances. Yeah. Um, it's not just the new Gambit uh, that sounds really weird in this episode. Rogue. Also sounds really weird in this episode, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is bizarre, because it's the same voice actress. I think her name is Lenore Zahn, perhaps. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, uh, and... Uh, this new actor, Tony Daniels, I think his name, replaced Chris Potter as the voice of Gambit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's terrible. Uh, we've heard him in the last few episodes. But anyway, you know, this is like another bizarre late series one-off episode that hints at things to come that will never come. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and it's like, again, it's it's got the sketches of a good idea mm-hmm. but it's just executed really shoddily I yep. would say right like the premise of this episode it takes place in a town called Cumberland Kentucky a mining town and it's all about there's a new mutant there Sam Guthrie uh, more famously known as Cannonball from the comics I believe uh, and it's like you know the, how the town reacts to mutant being in their midst I think that's, like, an overall just a decent premise for an X-Men show or comic in general. Yeah, because we've seen it in, like, some of the backstories of the X-Men, but now, you know, presumably ten or more years have passed right. since those backstories have happened, and, right. like, it's interesting to see. You can always keep updating the story right. for a new town, a new generation, right. a new scenario. That's what's good about the overall premise of the X-Men as a sci-fi conceit, is that because people are born mutants... You always get, like, a new generation of mutants. Mm-hmm. And how does the town, you know, react to them and all that sort of stuff. So here we get, like, more of a a southern view of the mutant story. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, the X-Men are well represented in spades in a lot of ways. With Gambit and Rogue, for star- starters. Both yeah. from different parts of the south. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Gambit, a, a Cajun and Rogue, a traditional southern woman uh-huh. from Mississippi, right? I think so. Yeah, Rogue's from Mississippi, Gambit's from Louisiana. Right. The bayou. Uh, but Sam Guthrie is here from Kentucky, so... Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's not going to be much to really talk about with this episode, I don't think. <laughs> it opens... There's, like, a mining accident. Um, I will say, this is an episode I do remember seeing in its original run. I do not. Yeah, I do. And the I remember. The animation is real weird, especially in this yeah. opening scene. I remember not liking it uh, uh, as a younger person, but whatever, let's go into it. Like I said, it opens on a mining accident. Uh, you know, and then we get to see mutants' powers, as often as the case is a premise. There's like some kind of disaster. And so Sam Guthrie's got the power to, like, light his legs on fire and blast off through things. Right. And apparently he can take other people with him. Right. Which is convenient for saving right. people. Right. Because it's kind of like he's covered in an energy field sometimes, and it gives him extra strength because he can blast through rocks and, uh-huh. like, stop like a moving deflecting. car. 
like blast through things. Yeah. So it's hard to say. Like I mean, I'm sure obviously there's an explanation about like the full extent of his powers. I don't really know much Cannonball from the comics. I think he was in the New Mutants comics from the 80s. Mm-hmm. He was one of the like the next generation with like Sunspot and some others. So uh, he's part of that team, but I, you know I never really knew much about him. That cannon, ha ha. Yeah, a lot. Of, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of lame diversions in this episode. Yeah. So uh, the weird thing is that it's kind of biz- they set it off on like not where you expect because Sam is sort of beloved, obviously by his family. Well, not so obvious. They could have hated him. He's beloved by his family. He's. Uh, like tolerated by his co-workers mm-hmm. well like he has the ability to save people right so we see that in the opening right. scene where he does save a couple of people from a mining huge is, mining explosion yeah, yeah. But, like mining is dangerous people die in, in mining accidents all the time right presumably he's done this before like if i was a miner and i <laughs> and i knew that sam was going to be like down there in the mines i'd be like i'm on his team <laughs> i want to like mine next to that well, guy and they are, and they are at first yeah. you know so they they will turn on him later but yeah, it right. is like it is it is kind of like interesting how quickly that changes in the course of this one episode because mm-hmm. at first i thought it was a mistake of the writing because very shortly after this they say like beast is commenting on it he's like oh the town has been hostile towards him it's like no they haven't when does he say that? He says it like they're reviewing the case. Uh-huh. It, it shows up in a magazine or something that Beast gets. The Sam Guthrie appears. Right. So, but whatever. Oh, I thought it was just that, like, it was in the news, right? Like, Beast. Yeah, it's in the news, yeah. I don't know. Beast, I, like, busts into the recreation room where Rogue and Gambit are playing uh, pool. a friendly game of pool. Anyway, he, like, busts in, and he's like, oh, look, here, here's all the mail. And front page of the news is this kid. Yeah. Yeah, so it was in the mail. Yeah, yeah, that saved people from the mining accident. And I I think that's where he stops, right? I don't know if he says anything really other than that, like, from the article. And then Rogue just gets it in her head. She's like, oh, a 16-year-old boy wouldn't mind a visit from a a friendly southern gal. I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, I mean, I personally, if Rogue knocked on the door right now, I'd be real happy to see her. I know, but, like, what's her motivation here? It's, like, very weird. So the motivation is recruitment. So because... But they don't say that, you know? It's like you have to know something about the X-Men and that they're a school. It's inferred by the other scene. We kind of skipped over. So Sam's back at his house with his family talking about what happened, and his mom mom actually compares him to Superman, which I thought was, like, a weird, like, cross-Marvel-DC awareness thing. I don't know if... Was it, like, team-related at that point? Like, DC-Marvel, was there, like, rivalry to that Oh, yeah, that I mean, it goes back decades. Because Superman kind of transcends were... branding, right? right? He's, like, a, a pop culture icon. I mean, it's funny you mention that, because in the, I think in the one of the original Spider-Man movies, either Spider-Man 1 or 2, Aunt May compares him to Superman. Yeah. She says, oh, you can't be like Superman. And and then they show that Peter Parker reads comics. So, uh, I, I mean, there's definitely a real answer to this, to the extent of, like, how does the DC characters fit in the Marvel Universe? I'm going to look I think up. they might have their comics, or... I mean, well, the real answer is that they cross over all the time in these stupid, like, company they crossover do, but events. but what I'm saying is that I don't think this has anything to do with companies and no, no. stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's I'm like... I'm going to bet that right now when I look up in the dictionary, I think Superman is like a word in the dictionary, probably. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm like sure he is. Lowercase s. Oh, lowercase... Well, I mean, it's like the term... 
term goes to Nietzsche. Right. You know, and his writing about the Ubermensch or whatever. <laughs> right. So it's not like it, it's wholly original name by Siegel and Shuster. Right. But, I mean, whatever. You're right. I mean, it's you, like Superman exists thing. in the broader pop culture canon where I feel like it's not... It's not like it's a faux pas for a Marvel character to bring him up. Okay. It'd be weirder if they brought up Batman in a Marvel, like, context. Right. Because Batman's a little more more specific than Superman, who's like... He's the first superhero. Right. So you're you're right. He's like Mickey Mouse. He, like, stands for something... More just broad, yeah. But whatever. So that that was a dumb diversion <laughs> again. This episode, not much to chew on here. Uh, so Sam's being recruited by the military. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't really know they're the military yet. It's this is guy, Mister Gerklin or Kirkland. I'm not quite sure. I thought they were saying Kirkland. Like uh, that's uh, what they say later like in the Costco, episode. You know, they say that later in the episode. It's Kirkland, but earlier on it's Gerklin, and then when I looked it up online, I saw it as Gerklin with a G. Oh. So I don't know I what to it was believe. Just, like everyone has different accents as they pronounce his name. Yeah, well, the accents are all over the place in this episode. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so he's being recruited for something. It seems like college. We don't. We're not really told what it is yet, and it's kind of like I thought. Like, is he being recruited to play college sports? It's like, wow, son, with your ability to blast at sonic speed with your legs, we could really use you on the uh, Alabama State football team. It's <laughs> all fair game. Let's just cheat. There's no rules against mutants yet. Mm. That'd be an interesting side topic in the Marvel Universe. Has it been discussed? What are the rules about having mutants on athletic teams? Because obviously their advantage would be so far superhuman. It wouldn't be fair. Yeah. It's like they would need their own Olympics to compete in. Right. Uh, Anyway, so it's with that in mind that the X-Men, they hear about Sam, and they want to recruit him as well, which to me is like a nice like little X-Men story. I mean, one of my favorite recruitment stories ever, which I'm sure is everybody's, is when they recruit Kitty Pride in the comics originally. Mm-hmm. It's just like a happy sunny day in the X-Men world. They learn that there's this mutant and they send like Storm and Colossus and Wolverine to meet her in Chicago. She's like a young Jewish teen and uh, you know she's being recruited by the X-Men and they take her out for ice cream and also the Hellfire Club is recruiting her as well with Emma Frost who's like a bad guy then. So it was like a nice dynamic of like a young, powerful character being recruited by both good and bad guys. Yeah, fine, but they don't make it clear in this episode that the X-Men are trying to recruit him to be an X-Man. Right, they don't. They're kind of vague about it. Rogue just creepily like goes down to his house and introduces herself. And, like, <laughs> luckily, none of them try to shake her hand. because Right, she's not wearing gloves. <laughs> she's got her arms full exposed. She's wearing uh, short shorts. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. And uh, like we said, Rogue's voice is a little bit off in this episode. Yeah, it doesn't weird. make any the sense. The drawing of her is weird, too. Right. So, and it's like, now they finally make up for, in the episode, the fact that the townspeople are worried about mutants. So at first it didn't seem like the case, but then we cut to a dumb scene at a local hardware store or something. And they're worried about, they're stirring up, like, anti-mutant hatred. Mm-hmm. Somebody's, like, cows have escaped or died or their mares have all been killed. I'm not sure. Something along that line. Yeah. Livestock is, is disappearing. Livestock is disappearing <laughs> or being destroyed. Oh, my. And also, and beyond that, uh, like, they're worried about the re- subsequent radiation caused, 
Which, uh, you know, like, it seems unfair. Radiation caused by what? By mutants? Right, yeah. So there's some mutant causing radiation. That's, like, the rumor being spread. Oh. And they're really, like, worried about it. Right. And they're angry. But, you know, Sam's power seems to lend itself to, like, he might be leaving a trail of deadly radiation every time he... Yeah, right? d- that does seem I possible, mean, I'm sure actually. he's not, you know, I'm sure he's totally fine, you know. But, like, really, though, you know, the X-Men's... <laughs> the power of all mutants comes from radiation. I mean, well... All right. It, and therefore, they emit radiation. No, I'm just... <laughs> I don't know. And I'm going to walk this back a little bit. Like, I don't... It's part of the original 60s explanation, like, that I, the result of the atomic bomb, like, the Manhattan Project and stuff, uh-huh. led to the birth of some mutants. Like, I think Professor X's parents were involved in the Manhattan Project. I don't know. I mean, and then it changed over time. It became more of a genetic thing. But... And in the first episode of the X-Men cartoon, they talked about... Beast talks about how like radiation played a big part in the the birth of mutants right but like not that they leave a trail of radiation behind although them. some do i uh-huh. think there's a character called radiation man <laughs> well, i don't know if he's a mutant but like we he i think he's like a hulk character a hulk villain uh-huh. um and I, th- I thought we saw radiation man at the end of this episode but this is the mutant we'll see later is not known. radiation man it looks like Radiation Man. It's like a big green Not glowing... Radioactive Man? Yeah. No. <laughs> That's funny you say that. Yeah. Up and Atom. Um, so, yeah, they're worried about radiation, the townsfolk. Uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like... I feel like it is an unfair stereotype to put on, like, small southern communities, uh, how paranoid they get with, like, things... Uh, you know, we're a bunch of city slickers co- here in Brooklyn. I know. I think it's just a coincidence, or maybe not a coincidence, maybe they made it a southern town to make the story well, more about Rogue based and on Gambit. The, based on the character, though, is that is southern. Oh, Sam yeah, yeah, Guthrie. that's right. I forgot he was But I was gonna, it, it just brings to mind uh, the movie Field of Dreams, which is one of my favorites, uh-huh. Kevin Costner. And, you know, the, the, pro- the plot is he builds a baseball field over his cornfield because he gets a vision yeah. from the sky, or like he hears a voice from the sky to tell him to do it. Anyway, uh, the point being there, it's like the, everyone in the town starts like gossiping about him and whispering in the the local like general stores, like what a lunatic That's not he in is. the south, is it? It's in Iowa. You're right. Yeah, it's not in the south, it's the but it's a I farming think it's just community. A stereoty- yeah, it's a stereotype about small towns that like right. people gossip and I'm just like, saying don't like new and outside influences. All that guy did is build a baseball field. <laughs> people <laughs> are really upset the natural order of the town, right? <laughs> you know, which I guess it would in a way, but like I don't know. Uh, the point is, it's like it doesn't take much to upset a a small town, right? <laughs> Apparently. Right. In New York, like, they're attacked by, like, monsters and mutants all the time, and nobody seems to be complaining. Yeah, well. Uh, none that we can see. Nobody anyway. even looks at each other on the subways. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, and there's some more, like, local towny shit going on in this episode that amounts to nothing. By the way, we never find out at the end of this episode what happened to all the livestock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. They the probably, mystery remains at large. It's probably just, like, a coyote or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, this episode, uh, we'll get into it later. I'll bring it up. Uh, anyway, so that, like I said, more some towny shit that like makes no sense. Uh, there's like a local bully that he's got a girlfriend named Shelly that Sam is interested in or, in or not. I'm not even sure at this point. <laughs> if like, does Shelly even play a role in this? I episode? don't even see Shelly. Right. So somebody tells him that oh, Sam's hitting on your girlfriend, and this guy gets so outraged, and he's wearing a Punisher T-shirt, which is kind of cool. Uh-huh. Another comic book reference. Although in universe. Uh, 
But anyway, like he like gets riled up and starts to form his own posse of goons to go after him. But it, it's like, is this all been? Is, is the military stirring this up intentionally? Was that part of the plot? That mm-hmm. like they want the military. The military wants like things to go bad for Sam, so he agrees to join their. Yeah, there were some like conspicuous phone calls from the main recruiter saying like, "Oh, we're gonna have to." Right. Persuade him a little bit more, but we don't, I don't know. We don't know. So anyway, Rogue shows up, like we said. She refers to herself, he asks her, what's her name? And I guess in the in the series of the show, they never reveal Rogue's real name. So right. they don't, she's not Marie, like whatever her name is supposed to be from the comics or the movies. She's, uh, she, so she uses a code name, not Rogue. I guess she doesn't want to tell them that she's a mutant just in case... Right, yeah, Something. she's playing it secret. Right. So she calls herself Miss LeBeau, which is kind of crazy Yeah, that she takes Gambit's last name, mm-hmm. and uh, she's, you know, it's like, just like, I mean, is that out of character for her at this point? Her, no, they have so many love scenes between them. Yeah, throughout the entire series going into season one, they really seem to be in love. You know, there's, de- you know, I don't know. We've talked about many times in this show about the at length <laughs> the sexual harassment, workplace harassment from Gambit to Rogue, the possibility of body suits. <laughs> right, yeah, they're, they're right. So the fact that she calls herself Miss LeBeau is kind of cute, I guess. She has a soft spot for Gambit to uh-huh. that extent, um, but you know, whatever. Uh, so she's trying to recruit Sam. Uh, he's being spot. They're all being spot on. There's some like G men in the in the bushes taking pictures of them and stuff. So there's some, like, government conspiracy going on. Um, This is not the first time we've seen, like, the government's, like, more of a a factor in the season in a different way than we've seen. You know, like, the whole Omega Red episode with the submarine and Mm -hmm. stuff. And there's, like, some other times the government comes up as, like, the the inconspicuous bad guys. Right. There's some factions of the military that's just, like, had it with the X-Men and with mutants. Yeah. So, and then we, like, cut to the military. They've got, you know, they're, like, talking about, like, we've, you know, we don't quite know who Rogue is. We know her code name is Rogue. It's like she's part, uh, we, through the Wide Awake program, we, she, we see she's part of the group called the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so it's, like, implied that the government doesn't really know who the X-Men are. Uh, and they've got some kind of, like, NSA-type program, you know, where they've classified them, mm. which is a bunch of, like, bullshit in the face of the continuity of the show. I'm almost yeah. certain, like, the X-Men, and Sam even says it himself, like, he knows who Beast and Professor X are from TV and hanging out with the president. Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure the X-Men have, They should be so famous. Yeah, like, they've <laughs> been at, like, public trials in full uniform, you know, in Capitol Hill. Right. Like, Cyclops and Jean Grey. They, they're, like, well-known in the world. Like, in light of all that, it's really surprising that they even think that it's a secret that the X-Mansion is, like, actually <laughs> the home of the X-Men and, like, the Blackbird and all their, like, secret technology yeah. and stuff. It's so obvious. <laughs> yeah. It's really obvious. I mean, I don't know. It's, like, at this point, like, I thought the show was pretty confident uh, before season, like at the end of season four, the X Men are just like living it out loud as like really famous, happy superheroes that the world generally accepts as good guys. Uh-huh. I think in season four, like they're outright just patrolling 
they're doing patrols like over Coney Island, hovering around in their jet, just dropping in when the police aren't there. Yeah, like fighting crime. That's right. You know, like they're, they're not even they're they're just they're like nineteen sixties level Batman. Yeah, I was gonna say that's the Batman effect. Right. Yeah, like the good Batman, not like the gritty like the police don't trust in Batman. Like right. The Batman that's been deputized. Right. And is friends with the commissioner. Uh. So, you know, they've, like, just, they've forgotten kind of what they've established, uh, which it's not really a surprise with the the general quality of season five. Um, So, you know, they're doing, the X-Men are doing their own research almost going on. They realize there's some kind of conspiracy. Uh, Beast sends Gambit to investigate some abandoned, like, building or something in this town. And uh, it's really just stupid. How it's almost like they've decided to reintroduce the character of Gambit because they have the new voice actor, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make sense. Just the way Beast is like, uh, this seems like skill. Uh, you know, we need somebody to sneak into this base. It seems like a job for you, Gambit, suiting your special skills. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's like, Gambit thinks you're right. Like the, the Gambit referring to himself in the third person is out of control. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, the original voice actor did such a better job whenever he'd refer himself in the third person. It was much more natural. And then as Gambit breaks into this building, they make a like a special case for it being his skills or whatever, yeah, right? He has captured. to like Yeah, right. I mean, he has to like charge up a bunch of stuff so it explodes, but It looks then, bad by the way. They've lost the cool effect they had. Yeah. Established. It looks really crappy. Yeah, but it was flying. a setup, obviously. With, it, like... Yeah. It was a setup. He's captured immediately. Um he's captured by these robot things that they refer to later, I think, as shock troops. Mm-hmm. Uh you know. So Gambit's immediately captured. Um uh, meanwhile, uh what happens here? So the bully guy finds Sam at like a diner or something, and he confronts him. They just kind of push him over, and they 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 get they're like laughing at him and making call fun him of him. Mutie. And... Yeah, they get bigoted at him. They're real, you know. They express their anti mutant views. They yeah. kick dirt on him, and then they just drive away. And it's kind of an interesting thing. It's like they didn't really like fuck him up or make his life so terrible. You know, they made him feel bad. They did, but my point is, like, he should know, like, I'm so much more powerful than these guys, and they're just a bunch of teenage punks. Instead, he decides to get revenge on them. Yeah. <laughs> he lights up, you know, and blasts off and, like, grabs their pickup truck until uh, until they the guy apologizes to him. Yeah. And then he, like, pushes it, like, into some garbage cans, and they're lucky they got away. Yeah. I mean, it's on one level, it's sometimes it's satisfying to see a bully get their comeuppance. On another level, it's kind of like... Well, it was also, like, a pretty benign comeuppance. He didn't, like, he kill did, them or... But he almost killed them. That's what I'm saying. Like, but he didn't, he, you know? Yeah. He didn't even punch them or anything. It just He didn't punch them, but he, he almost caused them to crash. Uh, he scared the hell out of him. I mean, yeah, well, I don't know. I, I'm a little. It, it was a scene with like that didn't. It was like really ambiguous. Uh, and then so anyway, Gambit's in the base. They're gonna experiment on him. They they reveal more what's going on. They've got like some kind of like mutant like weapons program, kind of like with Weapon X with Wolverine or with Deadpool scenario. Yeah. Uh, they start like. There's, like, a nurse that comes in and shaves the top of Gambit's head. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, so weirdly cool about all of this. Yeah. He's, like, just a little off the top. 
and he's like, Share. yeah, he's like <laughs> giggling about it. Yeah, and she weird. really starts shaving the top of his head, and and she shows him the chip they're gonna implant in him. He's like, oh, just that? That's fine. <laughs> it's like what? Yeah, I don't know. He's a little too blasé about the whole thing. Yeah, even it's... though he knows they just explained the plan to him as all good villains do. Right, that they're gonna implant this chip in him so that they can control his mutant powers. And then, like, finally, for the first time in the show's entire history, I feel someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Professor X rescues Gambit with Beast. They just stroll into the facility. All the scientists and guards just pass out because <laughs> Professor X says, like, he has some complex scientific, like, explaining, like, what he did to their brains. He's like, I shut down the whatever medulla oblongata part of their brains, you know. That he says, that. like, he made them pass out. Right, yeah. It's <laughs> he like, put them to sleep. Oh, my God, like Professor, it's like, where have you been the last five seasons? <laughs> you really could have been helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so much of the time. He's been doing psychotherapy on bad, Sabretooth. Right, bad psychotherapy. <laughs> been... Gambit's real surprised. Like, he's never even... It's actually true of Gambit th- to, like, be surprised that Professor X even has this ability <laughs> that, you know, to... <laughs> uh, oh, he could have made all our lives a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so they rescue Gambit uh, very, you know... I mean, maybe that's why it's never done the show, because it's so boring. Yeah, maybe. You know, there's just nothing to it. Um, and then Professor X explains it's like they're setting up a living weapons program to control the minds and use the powers of mutants. Um, so, but meanwhile, back at Sam's house, there's a riot. All the ta- villagers have gathered with their burning pitchforks. Of course, forks. yeah, they have to come with their torches and pitchforks. Right, yeah, they <laughs> want to drive Sam's family out of town. The dad's like, y'all know me, you know, we've been together, we work together, we love each other. It's like, now you're turning on me? Yeah. And like, well, t- things are different now. It's like, we don't want to live with no mutants. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's pretty sad, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like, but then, like, the dad, who's, by the way, totally cool with his son being a mutant and wants, and, like, wants peace in the community, he's like, uh, the mutants you should be blaming are over there. And all the experts <laughs> He really calls them out. <laughs> and he, like, turns on them. It's, like, so bad. It's so stupid. <laughs> but what a coward! The other thing that's weird what is that what a moral that, cow- coward. Right, but now all the X Men are there. Like the whole team really showed up for this one. Yeah, which Cyclops, Gene, like, Wolverine are there. Stupid, because like there's so many other situations that have happened that have been so much more dangerous, and yeah. like they really needed the whole team. But like you know, some of them were on vacation or something. They had a day off. Now like this one like pretty benign Kentucky yeah, town. Roe could beat them all up in one second. Professor X could just knock them all out if you want. Like, any of that. Beast could just out. beat them all up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. Anyway. Um, and, like, it's not like it's even exciting to see them because all the other X-Men do nothing. They're just there. Yeah, they just stand there. The only one that takes action are, like, Beast and Rogue. Um, they have no lines. Uh... What I, it's like, there's one little, like, crappy animation thing I noticed in one of the shots, Wolverine's belt is, like, his original belt from, like, his first appearance where he doesn't have the X buckle. It's, like, just a regular belt buckle. Yeah. But then in a later scene, they correct it back to the X, X buckle. I just thought that was weird. That stood out to me as something worth mentioning on a podcast. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, you know, at first, like, the X-Men aren't, don't even know what to do. They don't even really want to attack the townspeople. But luckily, the military... Um, oh, Sam... Like, Sam agrees to help the military because he feels betrayed by his family. Like, mm. he's going to join his program. But So he's on a helicopter with them. They're like, oh, yeah, you're going to be a fine addition to our program. And they immediately start gassing him with some green Joker gas. And they put on their gas masks. And But Sam, like... 
gets away immediately. You know, he just blasts through the helicopter and flies away. And so the the general calls on the shock troops to fight the X-Men. So the X-Men have somebody fight in this episode. They handle the robots in less than 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. It's a really wimpy fight. Um, Then the general's like, all right, send down Unit 1 to fight the X-Men. And the other guy's like, "Uh, but he's not even ready yet. And the general's like, it's not a suggestion. And so they drop this scary green glowing monster Hulk-like looking mutant. Yeah, he's a Hulk ripoff. And he literally just, like, within one second... He, like, growls once and, and then he just falls out. over. Yeah. He, like, <laughs> dies. <laughs> he really was not ready. No, it's kind of sad. Uh, and he transforms back into a normal looking person. Yeah. So... But the X-Men are going to give him medical attention. Right, Beast says, get my kid. Fine. Yeah. Uh, pretty dumb. Um... And then the general's like, all right, I guess we have to retreat. And he has some cryptic line that hints that, like, more's been going on. He says, Hodge is right about the X-Men. Which I guess he's referring to Cameron Hodge. Yeah. Who we last saw in the, uh, I forget the even name of those creatures from outer space. Uh, that They're like the Borg, remember? They oh, come yeah. to assimilate Earth. Yeah, yeah, Earlier yeah. in season five. I don't know what they're it's called. It's driving either. me crazy again. Who cares? Okay. Uh, so, all right, a Cameron Hodge reference out of the blue. Um, and then, like all classic X Men, they all they all uh, ask Sam to join the team. He declines. Uh-huh. He says, and his family says, "Well, we're moving out of this town. We can't live here anymore. Everyone hates us. Right? I've got to help my family find a new home. So what? Just move." <laughs> Seems like his family would have an easier time finding a new home if he. Like, went with the X-Men. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he's at the right time but, to leave his family, like, let them stay in their hometown. Well, he's only 16, though. Well, that's the time to join the X-Men. Yeah, I guess It's a so. school for, you know, wayward teenage years after all, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, and then, like, he says, oh, thank you, Miss LeBeau, and Gambit hears that. Yeah, he's he, standing right next to her. And he winks at Rogue, and Rogue's like, not one word from you, Gambit. Yeah. And the episode ends. Uh-huh. So our second-to-last episode... Uh, is pretty crappy. <laughs> <laughs> we should sit down and talk it out, though. That was more content than I thought it actually was. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Uh, you know, what's to say about this one? It, it's not good. Nope. Uh, it's not that satisfying to see Cannonball. I mean, it's not terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's not terrible. I. It was like, it had like enough like going on. I wouldn't rewatch it necessarily no. now that I know what happens, but... Yeah, it's, like from the standpoint of I, I might have seen it once when I was eight or something, right. like and you know you didn't been older remember than eight. it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Nine or ninety-seven. 10. How old are you? Eleven. Uh, yeah. Uh, but so it's like as I was watching it here, I just felt like I didn't know what was going to happen. It's, you know, the weird thing with these season five episodes, they introduce all these plot elements, and you're like, how are they going to pay them all off in 22 minutes? And then the answer is in this, they don't. You know, it's like, right. They just, all, all the they pot threads burn enough, out. But yeah, then like they, they leave the door open for many things that will not come to pass. Right. I mean, well, we haven't seen the last episode. I have no memory of it really outside some like, I guarantee you all the things will not come to pass. Probably not. <laughs> So, uh, that's the second to last episode, um, I don't know, uh, any other stuff that's been going on in our lives, <laughs> sex related? <laughs> um, 
I want to say hello to Tom Drake since I missed you last week. Oh, that's nice. I, I did listen to your episode, so oh, you did. He said hi to me, so hi, Tom. <laughs> I'm not sure you even listened to the podcast, so that's a stunning revelation. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, Tom was great last week. We thank all our fans. I think Tom was the final guest. In our fan appreciation. Oh month. yeah, well that was a really fun month. Uh, not just Tom, but like thanks James, to James, the other Tom, that came on. Adam, yeah, yeah, everybody was really. Everyone great. was great, uh, really wonderful, and you know the the podcast isn't coming to an end. As if you've been listening, you know. So there might be more opportunities to get some fans on for future episodes, movies, or other cartoons. We'll see. Um, what else do I want to say? I beat the Spider-Man video game. Mm-hmm. I got close to 100%. Mm-hmm. Collected every backpack. Uh, <laughs> Great job. Yeah, thanks. I, I, know, I know you witnessed it, like, partially <laughs> as I was on my journey <laughs> to fight crime. I witnessed crime. it in side-eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, the game was great. Like, I I really, if you have a PlayStation 4 and you like video games, I fully recommend you getting it. I'm sure you have. It's, like, the number one selling video game for PlayStation right now. So, yeah. you know, it's not like they need our support here. Uh, but that game, it, it was really awesome. It was, like, you know, I won't get into spoilers about the plot, but it ends on a bummer. It ends, like, on a really sad note. As in leaving the door open for another... Well, yeah, like... like I mean, but like all things... Yeah, but it's not a happy ending. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's... I'm, like, surprised that more superhero movies don't have unhappy endings. I feel like that's the way to really end any kind of, like, serialized dramatic content. Mm -hmm. Is that it should be, like, a bummer. Like, the hero tries his best. Yeah. But he can't save the world. That's why Empire Strikes Back is, like, so popular. Right. But that's, like, different because that's part of, like, a three-part, like, story. But I'm just saying, like... all of these are serialized at this point. Right. That's what I'm saying. They're never meant to end. Yeah. So so you can make that happen at any moment. Like, in any of these movies, you could make that happen. Right. It would be fine because there's going to be more content. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I think more of these movies should end on negative down points. Like, obviously, Avengers Infinity War did, but that's more like Empire Strikes Back. They're setting up for a happy ending, Uh I'm sure. But it's like, really... you want, like, a real final ending that's not... No, I don't want a final... No. I'm saying that in general. Uh Like, Thor 2... Uh, the, ran- the random movies, you know, yeah. Spider-Man, Homecoming, uh-huh. uh, whatever. Like they all, they don't need to have happy endings. Oh, I see. I'm saying based on this video game, where you want it to be more like a coin toss, where like you you go into the movie and you're not sure that everything's going to be fine on the other side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like really, and it, it fits with the Spider-Man character at least that he tries his best and he has to make compromises and sacrifices. And he really is almost, like, worse than where he started in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. And it was really... But my point is, like, playing this game, and it was, like, a 40-hour game, it was emotionally more satisfying to, like, to get so good at being Spider-Man, which is... A, it's actually a really hard game, and you're beating up a million guys. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I was, like, a Spider-Man ninja master, <laughs> you know? And I felt, like, totally invincible. But, like, it was really satisfying to go through all that and and, like, not really... You know, you don't save the world in a positive way, you know? Yeah. Like, Peter Parker's life is totally messed up still. Like I said, it just it felt more emotionally satisfying, mm-hmm. that being the conclusion, than, like, oh, yippee. Yeah. yeah. Well, also truer to the character, like you said. Yeah, and I think it's probably truer to most of the characters, really. Like, Wolverine. Uh, yeah, right. Like, the Wolverine movie should end on bummers. Well, uh, speaking of which, Logan yeah, does, and that's right. awesome. But that's, like, a finality of the series, too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, like, okay, so here's an example. The Wolverine, which is Wolverine 2, ends on, like, a happy note. Yeah. Which doesn't, you know. It's not fitting. Like, why? Like, why does it have to end on a happy ending? Well. Right, yeah, I don't know. It's The point is, like, the, my own point. Because it's, like, a summer weekend movie, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? And it's, like, you know that feeling when you, like, spent <coughs> two or three hours in, like, a dark movie theater, and then you yeah. come out all, like, bummed out, like... Well, but like, Man. but like you said, we like they're serialized; they're never going to end. Yeah, right. So, like I'm saying, it's just more satisfying when it's bad. I think. No, I think it's just that it's the elements of surprise at this. So point. you think I was if surprised they, that the ending was bad? And yeah, was, I think if they did it all the time, like it wouldn't be that great, and you'd stop going to see the movies quicker. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think they they have to use that sparingly. Yeah. Well, anyway, the point is like the video game itself is almost like a movie in a set. It's like an incredible movie. The dialogue is amazing. Uh-huh. The script, the pacing, the action sequences were all incredible. And it, like I said, ends very satisfyingly. So it's like, in term, if you're looking at it as a Spider-Man movie, it's among the best ever, if not the best, in my opinion. It just captures the character in a really wonderful, original way. They set up their own little universe where it's, uh, it's not like tied to the comics, really. It's not tied to the movies. Mm-hmm. It's its own thing. You know, uh, it's tied to the comics in that it reflects the events of the comics, but it's like its own like established like timeline, and the characters have different motivations. Yeah, and also it, we get the grad student research assistant Peter Parker. Oh yeah, that you and I have been asking for. Right, that's yeah. our favorite Peter <laughs> Parker. Is like the twenty-three year old, you know, graduated college is now in like the young next, adult Spider-Man. Right, yeah, living yeah. on his own. Like that is the peak Spider-Man, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Better than the seventeen-year-old Spider-Man, which we get a lot, yeah, and a lot of content. Better than the freshman in college Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. You know, better than the, uh, the in the comics they had him as like an adult, like late twenties, early thirties, even at times, married mm-hmm. to Mary Jane, which they've reversed, you know, at times. Yeah. But like better than that too. Mm-hmm. I think this is like the best. Like Spider-Man to me is a character who works best when he's a grad student. Mm-hmm. There's something just about the intrigue of him. Like, being a young, brilliant scientist with all his friends and, like, his love life being all messed up in his mid-20s mm-hmm. and him being poor in New York. And there's, like, just, I don't know. It's, like, the right, like... Something you can really identify he's with. He's got a history. Right. He's got a history of... Yeah. He's got a history of, you know, having worked as, like, a young kid at the Daily Bugle. He doesn't even really do that anymore as a photographer. He's, like, moved on from that. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's just, like, the right amount of, like, history and, like, future to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I really like that era of Spider-Man. And we'll, we'll get a lot of that in the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're going to have a lot more talking to do about Spider-Man right. All right. shortly. So I'll take that as a cue to end the show. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, at Willie Simpson. You can join our Facebook group, X-Men Task Podcast. Uh, you can uh, rate and review us five stars on iTunes or wherever you rate and review podcasts. Sonia, any final words before we enter the last week of the X-Men Task podcast traditional series episodes whatever we're gonna call it <laughs> no that, that's enough <laughs> are you excited for the finality of the show yeah i'm pretty excited yeah it's uh really again thank you to the fans for yes. following along with us you guys are great yeah it's uh, i'll say uh, not i'll do another false ending here like i've <laughs> it's been fun really binging the show one at a time for all these we- like t- almost two years now whatever it's been um, because really when we started the show, right before we decided to do the podcast, I just wanted to rewatch the entire show from beginning to end in a two-week span. So, 
expand. We're practicing moderation. Right. Extending a two week binge impulse into a two year podcast project has been fun. And the other thing is, I've bought all these Spider Man episodes on Amazon instant. And I, I had the exact same desire. I wanted to immediately start binging all the episodes and watch them now, but I had to stop myself. I watched the first episode, but it's and like a couple I, other random ones, right? Yeah, but I was like, <laughs> really, I had to stop myself and say, okay, no, you can't watch. Just like let it watch them one at a time and let it play out naturally, you uh-huh. know. So um, that'll be exciting. So that is my final words. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night.